presents what's good people it's reg it's stone and we are now on sets we have started our new gig we're producers we have a deal with paramount plus because they start for contents right now being stone have pitched <laughs> a remake a redo of the cult classic red dawn uh right now we've got michael b jordan out there playing a russian commander why because we're colorblinding our casting you know what i'm saying it's we've 2022 got, you know what y'all saying? 2022, you know what I'm saying? We got Timothy Chamolet playing, you know, Freedom Fighter. We got all these big names. Actually, we don't have all these big names. We just lied. And that's why we're on set worried because we're going to get found out and lose our millions. <laughs> oh, man. We were just talking, um, look, two weeks ago, last time we did this, there was not a war going on. And y'all, there's a war going on. The hell. Didn't have this white on white crime. Bingo. White on white crime. <laughs> like, uh, man. Like, I look. I I look. Pray for Ukraine. Like, yes. I, I got. I they're my peoples. I got some Ukrainian peoples out there. I know they're suffering. But y'all, what the hell? <laughs> like, like I was telling Stone, y'all could have a little wars. Just give me like two years. 2024, 2025, we could come back. Y'all could kickstart the beef again. We we just about outside. We're about to start touring. It's about to be shows. We're about to go to resorts. We're about to go eat out. And now y'all got to start off World War Three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Imagine beating COVID and we all die on nuclear holocaust. What kind of bullshit is that? Damn, don't even get started with that. <laughs> I can't be... Wow. I, I was... We, we went straight. Now we're... Now we, we're <laughs> It's like we went straight from like foraging for toilet paper. And now we're just like out here mutants running around and shit. <laughs> Limbs falling off. <laughs> like oh, the Toxic Avenger. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. As crazy as you could, they, they didn't give us like, we, they could have gave us like at least two or three weeks, right? Because the mask yeah. mandates are ending. You know, so we're going to be outside again. They could have like stopped it for another couple of weeks. So we're going to have that two weeks of bliss and joy. And I was again. I was expecting like another variant, another reason to be inside, like in a fetal position, you know. But no, it's, it's a war, and it's, a, it's the threat of nuclear annihilation, apparently. <laughs> so we in here now. I mean, you can't. It's, I blame the Europeans, man. I hear thugging. It's that rap music, you know what I'm saying? It's all these bad that rap music, that video games, you know what I'm saying? I hear who knows these bad influences. Just corrupting these European minds. I hear Warren in 2020, like it's 1920. Insane. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, hopefully we can cheer you all up with some Kanye. Yes. <laughs> Kanye has come to save us. Ka- Ka- the Lord after... Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> the born again man himself. Uh I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but uh, Kanye West has basically dropped an album. I'm pretty sure you've heard nothing about it. There's been no news at all about him these last two or three years. It's been kind of quite shocking overall to me how low-key this album <laughs> drop has been. But uh, but long story short, you know, so there's a come out of Donna 2. Donna 2 actually dropped approximately, I believe it was supposed to drop the 23rd. I think it dropped within a day or two of its release date. This time, though, he pulled the okie doke 
It's only available on his $200 Steam player, but those in the know, you know what I'm saying? You guys out here on that Spotify, on that Apple Music, on that Pandora. What about the OGs, y'all? What about the Kazaz? What about that Pirate's Bay? What about that Soul Seek? They've been holding you down and they'll hold you down for this album right about now. You know what I'm saying? Out in MP3 form, if you're a little diligent out there, if you do that little Google search for a plus for that at the end of it, you know what I'm saying? You, could, you too can be swimming in some Donna too because nobody's paying for a $200 stem player to listen to <laughs> Connie's new record. <laughs> I, I, I will say, don't don't click that Russian link that, that I did off a shady-ass Reddit page. <laughs> I, they probably have all my data. Um, <laughs> use your trusted supplier. I, I didn't wait for our, my trusted supplier. To hit me with the real wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so just be careful out there. <laughs> it's it's zippy share a bust, y'all. Zippy share a bust. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, we were talking before the podcast, before we press record, uh, about Donda two, and I was I was I would say it's fair to say that we had low expectations coming into this album, like. Is that true? I don't know. You, you give me a look. You're not. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it's. I, I, I think I gave a look at expectations. I, I think we had no expectations for this album. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, like Donna one dropped, and you know, it it was just like yay. It was just like a mess, and you know, I thought that this is just like how the new Kanye is, and I thought that. He's lost forever. And, you know, yeah, having low or no expectations for this album, I think that's kind of how I went in. And it's funny, too, because, like, the the album that I got from, like, the Russian link was, like, I think they tried to, like, take the live stream and edit it and edit out all the crowd noise. So it felt like kind of like Donda 1. It just felt, like, very, like, you know, unmastered. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, it's the same old shit. Then I got the real real. I was like, oh, whoa, like, no, this is actually not bad. Like, the production has stepped up. Um, and I feel like that was kind of the missing link for Donda One, where, like, I feel like the beats all sounded the same. The production's, like, really muddy. Um, the mastering was stepped up. And I would say, like, there's moments of greatness with Kanye in terms of, like, the lyricism. Um, I have a friend who says that Kanye's always been a shit lyricist. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is probably true actually when I think about it but I do think that there's there's moments of greatness and there's just I, I could see a return to form with this album I, I feel like there's a lot of things that kind of while not properly executed and maybe this it's not an A it's like a, a B minus or a C plus in terms of like the execution and I think it's kind of giving me some renewed hope with Kanye um, some hope that just didn't exist before. Um, and I also feel too, like, like this is an album that, you know, like, like Kanye has something to prove now. Like his kids <laughs> are no longer with him. His wife is no longer with him. His wife is with fucking Pete Davidson. And I'm sorry. I, 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 <laughs> I don't see the appeal. <laughs> so I think there is something, there's a hunger there that like maybe was missing in Donda one. Where now he kind of has to like, not 
don't think prove himself, but like, you know, he has something to say now where I feel like maybe that was missing in the last few albums. So, uh, so yeah, it's, agreed, it's, surpri- it's su- surprisingly good. And I, and I think like if he put like 20% or, or, or 30% of the effort that he did in like Dark Just of Fantasy, it could be like a top like album of the year. Like, I don't think it's going to get there, but I, I see the vision. And I think if he like, just keeps refining it. I, I see it could being like a solid Kanye album and a solid return to form. Yeah, no, with, with more, you know, more updates in the DLC patch, we could have a great album here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, honestly. I think it's, um, I think we discussed it before. With Donda, even though, quote unquote, the thematically was supposed to be named after his mother, it's supposed to be confronting his demons. It was very Scottish shop. You'd have a random gospel album, then here's this weird angry record, and here's this wannabe club jam. It, it just was kind of all over the place. I think that we've done the two, and again, this is pretty awkward because this is pretty much a divorce album named after his mother. I think here with that as the underpinning kind of, you know, emotional motivation, has up to be a stronger work. Like you said, is it as strong as, let's say, a Dark Twisted? Is it as strong as an 808s? Is it as strong as a Graduation? No, but I do think that, and like I said, it's, it's, it's not to say it's, a, you know, it's a little cliche, but I do think that that weird period of, you know, having to divorce and having to work through it kind of made I'm kind of come out better on the opposite way. That's it. It is kind of fascinating because even, because, you know, there's always a breakup album. That's some old school music artistic shit. You know, there's, there's hundreds of them, hundreds of classic breakup albums. And I think what's kind of interesting here is the fact of where Kanye still is on his hubris shit. So a lot of it kind of attacks from an angle of where, like, you know, he's still kind of, you know, you, you can still see he has a process or has it kind of hit that level. But, and then it's going to sound like a weird allegory, but I, I think a lot of, like, um, Marvin Gaye, Here, My Dear, where he kind of recorded an album specifically on some, like, fuck you, bitch. You know, here's, I'm making this to make some money to pay you off, yada, yada, yada. But when he kind of sat down and wrote it, it kind of forced introspection. And I think that's what's kind of interesting is with a lot of breakup albums, even if the breakup is one-sided and somebody's an abuser, there's always kind of like the inner tone world that kind of goes through where it's like a lot of soul-searching where it's like, hey, even if I was a victim here, you know, how do I humanize me? How do I forgive me for putting myself through this? And how do I come to an understanding of how I fell into this trap? There's not that here at all, but you do come close. I do think when he talks about his kids, you kind of feel the pain there. I do think that for the most part, when he kind of stays away too much from the rapidly rapping, like there's a lot of good emotional beats he kind of hits. <clears throat> My favorite track on here is Louis Bags. Yeah, Louis Bags is yeah. So and the thing is, to me, Louis Bags sounds like the best thing and the worst thing about this album. The beat is flames. It's like he raided fucking one of Playboy's Cardi's hard drives for one of his sad Nintendo beats. He's got a really good fucking just hook, you know, you know, about basically Virgil Abloh passing. It's a solid ass song. You even have like Jack Harlow come in and kind of nail the fucking assignment, talking about how like you know he misses his family. He's afraid of getting shot, being a you know shot rapper. He's got a success, but it's got a bit of sweet. And the only thing that's kind of fascinating is you've got a hook, you've got this great solid fucking guest rapper, and then when the Kanye verses come in, I realize. And I'm pretty sure it's, I don't think it's intentional. 
he rhymes like Pootie Tang. It's like scratch tracks. So the first couple yeah. of verses are just very much like, mm, 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 mm. and then eventually kind of like, like the first half of that, of his verse is kind of weird mumbles. And then and he kind of tightens, tightens it up. And it's a shame because, you know, thematically is great. You could see that, you know, I am by Louis bag since, you know, you feel his pain from his friend dying, but it's still kind of half-assed. And that goes to a point of where like, there's an album here. There's a really good album here. It's just that it's not there yet, and this and it kind of sucks. And like I said, it's if anybody's there, if and the thing is, what's fucking sucks is that old Kanye would have nailed this bitch. Old Kanye yeah. would have nailed this bitch as far as hitting the emotions, as far as hitting the confusions, as far as you know, seeing both sides of where you know, yeah, you know, fuck that bitch, but I still love her, or you know, yada yada yada. And like I said, it, it's just that you know, it, it's just not there, but it's so close, so close. And it's like, for me, the album plays straight... Through, I could play the album straight through up until about Happy, where Happy gets a little bit too bitter for me. But like, for, like I said, I was shocked. I kind of I downloaded it for a lark, put it on, proceeded to do my, you know, whatever I was doing that day, maybe fucking eating cereal or some shit. And then I was like, oh shit. Like, like song after song, I'm here bouncing my head in a way that I haven't done in Kanye for years. Not with Ye, yeah. not with Donda One. And I was like, I see, like you said... I see the vision. I see what we want to do here. It's just the work behind it. And like I said, it, it kind of gives me hope. You know, maybe not the greatest of hope because he's somebody who's still hanging out with the baby and Marilyn Manson. But I do see that it's not, this doesn't feel like the hard drive dump that Donda one sounded. It sounded like he put more effort into it. It sounds like it needs a lot more effort, but it's there. And, and that's, I think that's why, like I said, it's, it's a bittersweet record for me to listen to. Yeah, definitely. I would say my my favorite track off this uh, album is um, True Love, because that's love, also yeah. like a, a like number one. Of, I thought the production was great. The use of XXX Tentacion, <laughs> another troubled person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was great. Like that sample was great because um, it was like a sample talking about like like love and, and kind of you know sh- true love shouldn't be this complicated. And it's him like talking about his kids, and I think like. I don't know. Like again, like there's there's weight to this whole album that I, I and, and there's an emotional heft and there's a there's like a you know this person's going through a divorce. It's playing out in the media. Like you know there's like he's posting like you know I guess like text messages from Pete Davidson being like I don't want to get <laughs> between a man and his kids <laughs> and fucking Pete Davidson, you know. And I, I and I, I got a sense of that weight from the song, and I think it's just like very, very emotional, even if it doesn't come off as emotional, you know. And I think that's like you know, again, this is not like Drake talking about some like champagne, like cocktail waitress he met, you know, at the yeah. <laughs> Cheesecake Factory <laughs> in Houston, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is real grown adult shit. Um, so yeah, like that, that's, you know, I, and I think that that's kind of marking, you know, even like a track like security, where it's literally just like, I'm going to beat you up, Pete Davidson. Yeah. Not the greatest of songs, but again, like I, I also could probably go through that same emotion. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and um, I, yeah. And those are the moments I love, whereas it's the idea of where, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be like clean like you know it's 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 a breakup and like and that's the and that's yeah. the hallmark of rickup there's, there's a lot of angry moments there's a lot of vile moments there's a lot of this and a lot of that and like i said it's 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 cool seeing a glimpse of the connie behind the facade who's kind of in some pain 
And and I, I think like I said, even security, security is just like I'm gonna put you know I'm gonna go out there with some ass and like it is an angry, very Jesus era type song, but because it's based off like the divorce pain, it hits hard. Like you feel his anger, yeah. and I and I think that's like I said, it's it's very unfortunate because I think the biggest thing beyond the politics is that with current Kanye, there's a weird like there's a divide between him and audience where his whole thing was the fact of hey, you know. I'm one of you, you know. I I'm I am a regular ass dude doing this rapping stuff, but doing it at a very high level, and 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 he's always been very relatable. And I think that's what's kind of been the hardest thing out of all this beyond the politics is the idea of where somebody who kind of you know showcased himself as an everyman, everyday type rapper is kind of like an asshole billionaire, like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I, I think also too it was really interesting. To- <laughs> Like the track "City of Gods," which is a, basically supposed to be a was a five year foreign track that Kanye just ganked <laughs> <laughs> and put on the album. <laughs> but I think like it was a really good master play, just because again, this album is like almost a return to form to form of Kanye, and this is like you know your basic like radio hit, right? It's like Alicia Keys singing the hook you know like and i thought i thought that was really interesting it was a really interesting choice um it, it is completely just off base for kanye like why are we talking about new york you're from chicago yeah but it's also like <laughs> like the choice of like maybe this is like a way to pivot the album from like you know again like a hard drive dump to actually something that's cohesive you know that's like marketable again um, so I thought that was a really interesting kind of like addition to the album as well. And you also mentioned something before, not much Jesus. Not much Jesus at all. <laughs> and I think it makes it stronger, not necessarily because, you know, he's still on his Jesus shit, but I felt like that the choir shit, it's been like a weird like crutch these last couple of records, like ever since Ultralight Beam, is just like, I'll just throw in four or five choir songs. That, that'll, that'll, that'll fill it all out, no matter what the album was. You know, it's really interesting you say, like, it's a crutch. Because, it, yeah, it feels like a crutch. Because, like, all, all of those songs, like, felt like carbon copies of one another. And to the point where, like, and I think that just, like, like kind of, like, made Donna 2 and, like, you know, Jesus is King. Just, like, made them, like, blurs to me because they all sounded the same. But yes, it, it does feel like a crutch though, because <laughs> the, the choir is not doing anything different, and then also too, like the way that choirs have been used in pop music is literally just been to sing the chorus and not to, like, yeah to, to to hold up the whole song. Yeah, and and it's and it's like a and, and it's the idea of where you've got all these awesome vocalists, you've got this wall of sound. Like you know, I I could do fucking Mary had a little lamb with a choir behind it, it'll sound like flames. But that's not necessarily flames, and it's the idea of where he would just kind of throw the choir on these tracks, do these weird remixes, and it'd be like it's genius, but it's not really. Like there's a reason why old white rock bands hired a choir for the fucking Grammys. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, all right, we gotta go out there and shuffle these old bones. We'll go we'll hire a whole bunch of you know really powerful singers behind us and make it a little bit more palatable to fucking the audiences at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's something I guess we didn't think we would see a not so bad Kanye West album. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and I'm 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 happy. 
I, I like I, I will say because there's just people I know who are just like oh, fuck this album you know fuck Kanye West and I understand the politics but I'm a Kanye fan and I'm I'm happy to see an evolution you know if not if not a return to form an evolution so yeah uh, agreed yeah. agreed agreed um next up couple of uh well, interesting news um I bring you the best news in the world um Drakeo's family suing Live Nation um as you know Drakeo the ruler passed it was basically at a concert show in LA run by Live Nation uh I guess the big issue there is the fact of there were two incidences that happened where Drakeo was walking from point A to point B he got to one altercation at point A a couple of minutes before towards when he was getting close to the stage, he got attacked again. And that's when he eventually got stabbed. And it's not hard to kind of guess why the family's suing. Basically, there should be more security. There should be people kind of vetting everything up, yada, yada, yada. Um, I mean, it gets tough here because obviously these tragedies happen and there's a lot of factors involved, and yada, yada, yada. That said... I do think that as a corporate entity, I have a little bit less sympathy here because ultimately there is responsibility. There is insurance. You know, at the end of the day, you kind of have to have a safe kind of show and not to be funny, the kind of events where 30 people could kind of come out there and jump somebody. It's kind of crazy to me. I remember I was at Afropunk and it was just like, you know, they were like 10 heads, too many people. And they were like, everybody got to get the fuck out. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see how this will play out. I do think in general, you know, looking at Travis Scott, looking in, looking at the way kind of Corona is and everything else, I do think we kind of have to realign the way we look at concert safety. And it's always been an issue. It's been an issue from ODs. It's been an issue from violence. It's been an issue from fucking sexual assaults. It's always kind of been a, a thing. And luckily, I guess Live Nation and all these other, you know, promoters have kind of been able to kind of dodge that bullet. I don't like the circumstances behind it, but I do like the fact of where there's money kind of being, you know, going out there to kind of bring out lawyers to kind of like, kind of just basically make everybody feel more honest because at the end of the day, yeah, it was fucked up. But if you're backstage at your job, you don't expect to get jumped by like 30 guys trapping you to death. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation. Um, I don't really know all the details. Like, cause is it, like a situation where security could have done something and they didn't, or if it's a situation where like, you know, I don't know, like, like there's nothing that security can do. Right. Like if you, if you have ops in the building, like, you know, I don't know. It's just like a weird situation. It's, it's crazy too, because like this happens backstage and like, I used to pride myself on getting backstage and talking to the right people <laughs> and knowing the right people. <laughs> but obviously those controls exist for a reason. Um, and it, it, you know, it's not just about like getting in for free and like, you know, like being able to like flex is, it, it exists because of the safety of these artists. Um, and yeah, like it's like concert security is going to be like a huge focus, I think in the next year. Um, and you, you know, touch, you know, brought it back to Travis Scott as well. Like, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what this looks like, right? And it'll be very interesting to see if, like, if it's something where it's going to be completely locked down, right? Where 
you have to go through like you know East German border checks or something like that <laughs> to get into to the building and to get backstage, or is it something where, you know, I don't know, like like what is that going to look like? But I I I, w- I would say like it's probably something, especially on the Travis Scott side. Um, it's definitely something that that, that you probably need to look at, but it's also kind of hard too because like we're in a labor shortage, right? Like how many people are going to sign up to be concert security in 2022 getting paid minimum wage? Oof. So like, you know, what's that balance was, you know, again, like I have to, I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out once hopefully we're finally allowed outside. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think that it's going to be a realignment across the board. What will that look like? Who knows? Like you said, there's a lot of issues there as far as, you know, just operationally, how do you get the manpower? How do you get the strong manpower? Because we all know you can always get a quote unquote bouncer, but look at Altmont, you know, saying Rolling Stones where they hired the fucking Hells Angels. You got to get, you know, it's got, it's got to be something that guys get looked respectfully. It's going to be done correctly. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's, 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 it's a, it's depressing. It's sad. But that said, the act that a lawsuit is out there in the air and money might have to be paid and hopefully like, you know, protocols have to be reviewed and security have to be reviewed. I think it's a good thing. So, you know, so, you know, rest in peace, Drake, you um, yeah. kind of keep our depression train going. Uh, another similar lawsuit, uh, Little Peep's family suing the ex-management. Um, I remember this being a thing when I read uh, there was a Rolling Stone profile, a Rolling Stone profile about his death. And basically, you know, again, you know, allegedly, because I don't know how well that Rolling Soul article was vetted, but there were definitely allegations there where everybody kind of knew that he was a heavy drug addict. But the idea was that he still had to, you know, had to do those shows, had to make those radio appearances, he had to go out there and press the flesh. So basically, they were kind of keeping him drugged up and kind of, you know, going from point A to point B. Um, Obviously, this is an extreme case, I will say. But at the same time, I do think it's an important one just because <laughs> if there's any industry that kind of has a, a very poor, you know, rate of taking care of their artists who are working within it is definitely the music industry. It feels yeah. like at least in Hollywood, they'd be on something like we got to get insurance. If this guy dies, we lose $20 million in the movie. It feels like in fucking, you know, the music industry is like, if this guy dies, we'll still sell twice as many records. So I, I do think that... Again, the idea of where it's unfortunate, but I do think the idea of where you've got money here, you know, people are suing where the idea is the fact of if you're running a quote unquote business and you've got people involved in the business, you've got this act involved in the business, it's kind of your responsibility to make sure they kind of stay healthy and safe. And I think that's not too much to ask. I think it's kind of bare minimal. Um, Like I said, it's from what I've read, it seems less like he was out there, you know, in the street corners copying, but as opposed to, you know, the dealers and the enablers are kind of all in that same circle. And I think even though, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that the artist passed, I think the lawsuit is a good thing. Cause I think it's been a very long time. You know, we discussed about industry rule, rule industry rule number 4,080. We talk about the me too movements that haven't really hit the industry. There's a lot of fuck boy shit happening. And I think that we don't really talk about just how abusive, a lot of management, a lot of yeah. tours, a lot of, you know, people who rely on the artists making money take advantage of that same artist as if they're a product and not a human being. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not surprised by any of this. I mean, you know, like, 
I think like one of the reasons I, I kind of left the music industry is just kind of seeing like that crazy dark underbelly of the music industry. Um, and yeah, like I, I've seen artists like say, I won't go on stage unless I have drugs. Right. I've seen like, you know, like artists not get paid or, or things like that. So um, none of this is unfortunately surprising. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's a weird thing because I, I don't feel like it's the government is ever going to regulate this. And I don't know no. if that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, something has to be done. And, and I and I feel like maybe again, like may, like artists need to be in a union. Like I like I yeah. feel like the music industry needs to be unionized. Artists need to kind of stand up, make sure that there's there's criteria for safe, like you know, like rules and engagement and things like that. Um, and you know, maybe there's ways for like an artist to be like, if they see this happening, there's a support system, right? Like I wish like as Jay Z, you know, if this is happening, it's like oh I'm getting paid in drugs and not money. Like they can go to like a Jay Z or something like that, <laughs> or like, some, like some mentor that can help guide them through like how to like, you know, file a grievance, file a claim, like whatever. Um, yeah, I I, I I I just really feel like an, a union is necessary, and everybody's unionizing now, and and nobody's kind of looking at these creative industries who are always exploit <laughs> exploitive, you know, and, and now's the time to kind of make some of these this stuff happen. Um, because yeah, like it's, it's not, it's, it's really, truly not surprising to me. I've just like seen it so many times. Um, and I've, I've just seen like, you know, like some of your favorite artists, <laughs> <laughs> like in these situations. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I hope this lawsuit like is a catalyst for something, but I think it's going to take more than more than one lawsuit. Uh, for a, a rapper that's not as popular, to be honest, um, for this thing to change, it's going to take a lot of grassroots like energy, and um, hopefully that happens. I, I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, agreed. It's a, and like I said, you, you hope, but like it's the, the stories are countless. I mean, look at look at recent memory. Look at your look at your Michael Jacksons. Look at your Prince. Look at look at all these artists who definitely. You know, there's a, and I, I look at it, I even look at it from a business perspective. You've got a lot of money riding on these artists. It, it really shouldn't have been that, you know, that easy for them to have, you know, gotten that drugged up with our protocols in place, with our kind of certain things. These weren't necessarily guys who were, like I said, running out in the middle of a show to cop on the street. These are guys who had an ecosystem around them kind of feeding them drugs. And I think that's the issue here. And sadly enough, those people feeding them drugs benefited well off it at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what we need oh, to yeah. stop. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, so like I said, hopefully, like, like I, and I'm with you, I don't think it's going to change anything, but I am hoping that having that out there in the ether, having that conversation, because like I said, and at the end of the day, nobody wins. It's just like, you know, I was kind of joking about, you know, posthumous albums, but you know, you know, if, if a little people are still here, if a prince was still here, if a Michael Jackson was still here, you know, everybody kind of wins, and it's kind of—I think it's a little bit short-sighted the way the industry kind of treats its artists. And I'm hoping, like you said, unionization, something where you know artists are able to kind of stand up and like take a stand and not realize and realize, a, you know, 
it's their art making the money and you know in, in addition to making people happy but making the money and then b that they deserve you know respect you know what i'm saying and that's it yeah definitely mm-hmm. and uh, as we move into our next segment new music new music we're gonna start off with Metronomy, a personal favorite of me and Stones. A little band from a small place called the United Kingdom. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Uh, <laughs> interesting bands. Uh, initially, it was pretty much a solo project. One dude, instrumentals, very electronic club music, and it's kind of metamorph- well, metamorphosized into a band proper um i think from I'll, I'll speak for both of us i think the high point was the second record for us which was english riviera which basically mm-hmm. just captured this like new wave of like yacht rock music kind of process through like an indie lens just very smart one of my favorite records i think of all time um since then the band dropped several other records um they've done different things they've bounced around sometimes it might be a little bit more 60s soul sometimes it might be a little bit more let's say you know 70s like am rock but um the chorus kind of stayed the same um this is their new record small worlds it's still a little 80s flavor kind of like the way we kind of liked it but like me and stone were discussing i feel like this is a little bit more low-key a little bit more am radio a little bit more eagles um i am not mad at this witch as a fan, I will say that English Riviera will always hold a place in my heart. I do wish it would kind of go back to that sound. On the other hand, I kind of understand if you're creative, you go where the you know the ideas take you. And I, I think that it's that one of those weird cases of where, you know, we kind of rely on our artists to either go back and like giving us the greatest hits over and over again, but sometimes in the artist you have to reinvent your wheel, you know what I'm saying? And, and I think that that's what this record is. Um, to, looking at it objectively, listen to it objectively, it's a solid ass record. Yeah, I, I, I will say, and this is a struggle, right? Like, I understand, like, for artists that, you know, you can't recreate lightning in a bottle, and like the, the album that people love is like an album that they were in a different space and time and you know it, it doesn't make sense from a creative standpoint to write, try to recreate that but man that album was so great yes <laughs> <laughs> bro they they released you know? b-sides they had a i forget what it was maybe it was like a deluxe edition a couple of years ago and they had b-sides even these shitty ass demos of like bad drum machines were fucking flames they they were oof. yeah yeah, and like, every time I see them release a project, my like my eyes light up because I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a return to form, <laughs> and and it's not. <laughs> and I think you know, and that's a problem. Like you know, like like I, I, it's a problem for me as like somebody who like you know understands the creative process and you know like has been in the music industry and knows how hard it is to create like that type of album and to have those high expectations. But as a human, I have those high expectations. So when I hear the album, I'm just like, man, this is like, what is this? Like, this is not metronomy. Like, what the hell? Um, and that's kind of how I felt with this last album. Um, if it was an, another band, another name, I'll be like, oh, this is really solid. Still probably not my cup of tea just because it's very, like, kind of laid back acoustic, you know? Um 
but yeah, you know, I understand. Like it's it, it's it's hard to like get back to that. You you have to be in like so many stars have to align to get back to that one one space. Um, and I was just happy that you know Spotify, you know, when they play like the one album, they like you know want to keep you listening, so they like play like other tracks by the artists. And I'm just happy that like I I was able to re- rediscover the English Riviera again because <laughs> they're playing those tracks. <laughs> No offense, though. No <laughs> offense. <laughs> but it's a point too, because like at a certain point, as you get bored, it's like I've played this song literally yeah. five hundred times. We've played this synth patch literally five hundred times. I've played this drum fill literally five hundred times. So like I get it, I understand it, and like I said, taking it, take, taking it objectively, it's a good album. Is is it is it an English Riviera high I chase? No, but it's it's, it's worth it on its own though. So props to them. <laughs> True. Yeah. And then what else? Uh, last one is a Reggie pick. Very quick, very easy. Zeal and Ardor. Uh, long story short, this was a very interesting band, where basically it's a solo project. It's a musician type. Working on multiple fucking music th- ideas, basically hopped on HN and basically said, "Hey, I want to start a new new band. What? What? Give me an idea." And somebody basically said, "Like, ah, n-word black metal," <laughs> at him, <laughs> and he happens to be a black person, but he kind of took that nugget of an idea and was just like, "Hey, you know, maybe if it's black music, maybe I'll do a little gospel thing, and you know, I could make it a little metally." And the idea, which I thought was very kind of idea was, and it's ready for, ready for this, ready for this speech. His thing was that if you're basically brought here as a slave, ripped from your home, ripped from your family, ripped from everything you know, and they were pushing the Christianity to you and saying, hey, yada, 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 white Jesus, and Satan is set up as the antithesis of that, would you not want to believe in Satan instead? Just saying, kind of makes sense. So uh, with this, basically, kind of tackles a project. It's not necessarily, you know, even though I kind of gave that little intro, it's really more like protest music kind of in a weird way where a lot of the gospel kind of works well with the metal because obviously both genres to a certain extent are very theatric. You always have the guitar solos, the lows and the highs. So you think of the gospel. What I like about it is not necessarily like he's a really good songwriter where he'll have like almost like, uh, remember Cold War Kids? Yeah, yeah yeah so it'll be almost like a chain gang song so he'll build it where it's almost something you could almost do acoustically where it'd be like two chords or just somebody humming and they kind of singing a little bar and he might like have like that go into like a guitar song but he's he does very well where it's never cheesy like you never fall into that trap of a lot of fucking like grammys like like we always make fun of it We'll have the Grammy. It'll be like Dave Grohl, Kendrick Lamar, you know, Pavarotti. Whereas it's a weird genre mashup. The way he does it is really well. Where if it calls for like a gospel part or a more soulful tune part, it's there. If it calls for like some chugga chugga corn metal, it's there. And it's a mix of both, but never a fourth. So it's it's a really good album. It's the third one 
first one was basically more of the EPs. It's like I'm not the EPs, more of the earlier demos. I like that the best, just because it's a little bit more stripped down. But I felt like with this, for you know, relatively easy idea, you know, gospel metal, yada yada yada, it kind of shows that he's still able to kind of draw different things out there. And also at the end of the day, it still sounds very protesty. So I think it's what kind of kind of hits me too, where you know, not to be funny, it's, it's definitely a time of protest. So it's a record that definitely fills that niche. So shouts to him. Word. I will mm. definitely check that out. Gospel metal fusion. Yeah. Again, I, I was not expecting that in 2022, but I'm here for it. It's it's, a, it's <laughs> everything's ending. Let's mash everything up. I'm about to have some macaroni and cheese and cotton candy. Why not? It's it's YOLO. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, but uh, as usual, we love all of y'all. Stay safe. Things are changing rapidly. That doesn't mean y'all can't take care of yourselves. Do what you got to do to stay alive, to get by. You know what I'm saying? We're still in a pandemic, despite what's happening out there. So, you know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do. I'm not going to say what you should do. I'm just going to lean heavily onto saying, you know, get that vax. You know what I'm saying? You know, don't be out here spinning on random people. You know what I'm saying? Follow some protocols. As we reopen, we want to stay open. And I think the best thing for everything across the board, even beyond the pandemic, is to take care of each other, take care of yourselves, and we'll get through this together. For sure. For sure. Peace. Peace.